Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment three, Maury Brown from thebizofbaseball.com is going to join us. We're going to talk about the upcoming Major League Baseball playoffs. Talk about the network coverage on TV. We'll also look back on the season and see who the winners and losers were financially in baseball. That's coming up in segment three. In segment four, Sports Sense. Bill Sanders, he's been on the show before. He's the vice president of marketing for BDA Sports. BDA Sports is an agency that represents the likes of Yao Ming, Steve Nash, and Greg Oden. Bill does the endorsement and marketing deals for these primetime athletes. And we'll talk to Bill about the economy right now and how hard it is to make a deal. We'll also get his thoughts on the futures of Yao Ming and Steve Nash as they're entering the latter stages of their careers. A couple of other notes, visit my Sports Business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com, become our Facebook friend, or follow me via Twitter. Just visit my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com, and you can link to the Sports Business Radio Facebook and Twitter pages. We've got over a 1,000 followers on Twitter now. I thank all of you. And uh, SB Radio is my Twitter handle. I'm joined in studio by Bobby Corser. Bobby, boy, uh, some confusion with Michael Vick and Nike this week. Does he have a deal? Doesn't he have a deal? Vick's agent comes out and announces that he's got a deal with Nike, but then Nike comes out the next day and says, no, we don't have a deal. We're just providing him with shoes and product like we do other people, but there's no payment here. There's no plans for a signature shoe. He won't be part of our marketing campaign. How quickly, you know, once I saw that, I was like, wow, how in the world did he get back on the endorsement train? Because, I mean, he's barely played. You and everyone else. Exactly. It's like he's barely played. He's played, what, six, seven snaps? I was like, I want that deal. Well, one of the things we're going to talk about in our headline segment coming up is people have to understand only the elite of the elite are paid endorsers anymore. With all the budget cuts going across the world right now and companies tightening their belts, only Tiger Woods, only Peyton Manning, only those types of people are getting paid. Everyone else is just getting product. So Mike Vick, if he was getting paid, it truly would be shocking. We'll talk more about that next in headlines. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. 
But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. This is Sports Business Radio. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, the day after an agent for Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Michael Vick announced the quarterback had a new endorsement deal with Nike, the shoe and apparel giant came out with a statement denying that the two sides have a contract. Nike said in a statement, and I quote, Nike does not have a contractual relationship with Michael Vick. We have agreed to supply product to Michael Vick as we do a number of athletes who are not under contract with Nike. Now, Vic had a deal with Nike that he signed as a rookie in 2001, but then Nike dropped Vic in August of 2007 after Vic was indicted on federal dogfighting charges. Bobby, when I saw this news, I was stunned. I mean, I was pretty surprised when the Eagles signed Michael Vick. But then I was absolutely stunned when I saw the Nike news and said, why in the world would any company, much less Nike, tie their brand to Michael Vick? He has not shown me enough yet to be considered an elite endorser. I don't know if he'll ever get back to that point. And as I was saying in segment one, only the elite of the elite get paid. Most athletes have product deals. So they have affiliations with shoe companies, as I tweeted this week. So they get shoes, they get product, but they're not getting paid. They're not in the marketing plans where they're in commercials. They don't have a signature shoe. When I saw this, I was stunned. And then Nike quickly reacted and said, no, there's nothing more than product being provided. So I've got to scratch my head and say, what in the world was Michael Vick's camp thinking when they made this announcement? Oh, I saw it on the scroll on one of the news channels, and I was like, whoa, 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 hold up here. And I literally had to go back on the DVR just to read what the bottom had said, saying he had to sign an endorsement. And I'm like, where did this come from? The guy hasn't played at all. What, you know, what am I missing? So I, I quickly tried to find some stuff, and it was just like, you know, there was no terms released, nothing. And it just it made me really scratch my head. This was a shifty marketing guy basically saying, look, if it makes it, if it looks like Nike's on board, everyone else is going to say, well, if it's good enough for Nike, it's good enough for us. Well, it didn't work out that way. I think it blew up in their face, and I think they take a hit this week from basically flat-out lying and you know misrepresenting what their relationship is with Nike. Our next headline, Major League Baseball is projected to suffer a 6.5% attendance drop its biggest single-season loss since 1952. This is according to Bob Nightingale of USA Today. 20 teams have an attendance decline entering the season's final week, and this includes five teams with more than 20% drop-off, and the Nationals are the biggest drop-off of any team this year, 22.8%. They had their brand spake a new facility last year. Well, guess what? The honeymoon is over in D.C. There was a reason baseball didn't work in D.C. the first time, and a new stadium isn't making it any better. But, Bobby, we talked before the season started. This is a tough economy. 
it's not surprising to see the numbers down where they are. No, I mean, even Bug Sela came out and said, listen, owners, you guys will be seeing a hit on this. There's just people are not spending money to go to sporting events. There are some teams that had, you know, less than 20% drop-off, which is, in retrospect, pretty good in a down economy. But still, you have to put butts in seats. And if you're not doing that, you're not making money. Well, and try this on for size. According to this story, the only two teams that boasted an attendance increase of 10% or greater... The Kansas City Royals, which I guess, you know, they were so far down that all they could do is go up. And the Texas Rangers, who had a pretty exciting season for most of the year. So it's going to be interesting to see what the playoff attendance looks like, what the TV ratings look like. We'll talk about that coming up next with Maury Brown from thebizofbaseball.com. And our next headline, HBO Sports said this week that the September 19th Floyd Mayweather Jr. Juan Manuel Marquez welterweight fight. We talked about this last week. The numbers weren't in. One million pay-per-view buys, $52 million in pay-per-view revenue. That marks the most buys for a pay-per-view boxing event in 2009. Only the fifth time in boxing pay-per-view history that a non-heavyweight bout attained the one million buy mark. Of the total buys, $525,000 were from cable homes. 475000 were from satellite homes. Bobby, this is pretty impressive when you also factor in, like we told you last week, that this was going up against a big event in Dallas, UFC MMA. Yeah, and listen, $52 million in a down economy for a pay-per-view fight is a really, really big number. Well, and I'll tell you this, I think that number is up around $75-80 million if Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao finally get it on. I think that would be one of the biggest pay-per-view buys of all time. We'll see if that materializes. And our last headline of the week. And the votes are in. And the games of the 31st Olympiad in the summer of 2016 have been awarded to Rio de Janeiro. We'll have all of the details on next week's edition of Sports Business Radio. Coming up next, Maury Brown from the bizofbaseball.com. We're going to talk Major League Baseball playoffs. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> Or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Maury Brown. He's with the biz of baseball.com. He does a terrific job covering the business side of sports, and we thought we'd bring him on this week to talk about the upcoming Major League Baseball playoffs, which get started this week. Maury, thanks for joining us. Brian, it's always a pleasure. 
So, Maury, Major League Baseball playoffs getting underway. And at first glance, you look at who's getting in and you go, wow, these are the big spenders. I know in the past we've seen a few teams kind of crash the party that haven't spent a lot of money. But with the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Angels, the Dodgers, the Tigers, these are all teams spending over $100 million this year in payroll. The big spenders are getting in this year. Oh, and that is the case. And it's, you know, and it's normally this way year in and year out, Brian. I mean, you mentioned the party crashers, and that's a good point. You know, and Bud Selig is going to go ahead and he's going to hang his hat on this. Um, you know, this year the, the interesting thing will be that the Rockies are going to get in. Um, it'll be the second time in three years that they've made, you know, the party. And that's a pretty substantial thing to say that a team that's, that's sitting, you know, pretty much at the bottom of the list um, is, is able to get in. Last year it was Tampa Bay. And a lot of this, you know, Bud Sue is going to say that this has to do with revenue sharing, but really I think it has a lot to do with the wild card and the ability with these teams to get in. And once they get in, their foot in the door, it's a whole new ball game when they start playing in the postseason. We've seen some of the races come down here to the end, but others were decided long ago. Do you think Major League Baseball needs to change the playoff system to make it more exciting coming down the stretch, or is this year kind of just a, a mirage? Well, I think this year is kind of an anomaly. I mean, if you didn't have the wild card, it would certainly be boring. I mean, if it was a straight pennant race like it used to be, you know, we would have had, you know, fans turning off, you know, the televisions two, three months ago. Um, The wild card has certainly been, you know, a a great addition, I think, in the sense that it's the one thing that keeps, you know, fans entertained and keeps, you know, uh, some interest going down the stretch. But, I mean, it is difficult for some of these teams to, you know, keep focused. Um, as they come down to the to the wire at this at the end of the season, and then basically try and get themselves geared up for the postseason. So, if there's going to be a change, you know, there's a lot of talk about making more playoff, um, actually, you know, extending and making the playoffs longer. Um, I think that's going to be really difficult to try and sell to owners. You know, you're, you're basically going to have to remove games. They're already, you know, running the World Series probably into November now, and. If, if that's the case, you know, you're running into a host of weather problems. They've been bumping up into this now for the last couple of years. And so they're going to, if they do something like that, they're going to have to take games away from the rest of the teams. And I just don't see that flying with ownership right now. You know, if I were the czar of baseball, and I know the owners would never agree to this because it takes money out of their pocket, but I think the Major League Baseball season is too long. And frankly, and I think we've talked about this before, Maury, you know, once football season starts college and the NFL, that's where the focus in the United States goes. And I think if the baseball season ended in August and we saw the playoffs start then, I think the spotlight on baseball would be a lot brighter. But because the season has become so long now, and as you just pointed out, we could see World Series games in November, I think they lose the spotlight to football. What do you think? Oh, I think you're absolutely right. Um, And and it is one of those things to where I think that, you know, there's a reason that football is so exceptionally popular in America. You know, it doesn't take, you know, we're, we're an extremely schedule-driven society right now. And people, you know, they have one day out of the week, you know, maybe two, that they can basically focus on a sport and then they can get back to doing what they've got going on in their lives. Baseball takes a lot of energy to follow. It takes a lot out of the players, too. You've got a lot of injuries. It makes it very difficult for a lot of fans to follow. If you shortened up the season, the owners, like you said, I don't think will ever go for this, but I think that they would have, you know, all to themselves. They wouldn't try to be competing, you know, with the NFL and collegiate football. So, yeah, I mean, that's certainly one way that you could keep focus on it and not deal so much with the weather, which is something that, you know, has really come to bite 
um, baseball in the hind end the past couple of years. We're joined by Maury Brown. He's with the bizofbaseball.com. Maury, the playoffs start this week, as we said. And, you know, a few years ago, TBS entered the fray as a network that was covering Major League Baseball playoff games. So you've got TBS and you've got Fox. TBS has the NL uh, part of the series, I guess. And then the AL is covered by Fox. The World Series is covered by Fox. Do you think people have a hard time finding the playoffs on TV? Because it seems like, I, I just remember watching last year and I was like, what time does the game start? Which network is it on? It seemed confusing to me. Am I just an idiot? No, you're not. And I mean, this is something that baseball has had to grapple with for a while now. Um, the, the situation between TBS and Fox flip-flops every year. So TBS will get the division series. Then every other year they flip-flop between the AL and the NL, flipping them back and forth. Now, at least this time you can say, well, it's going to be on Fox and it's going to be on TBS. It used to be worse. It used to be that you had it on Fox. It used to be on FX. It used to be on ABC Family. Yeah, I mean, right. It was all yeah. over the dial. It was, and this has been a real problem for baseball to try and get things locked down. And once again, this comes back to that thing. Families and, and society as a general rule right now in America, they want to know when something is going to play. They want to know when it starts, and they'd like to know when it ends. And this becomes a real problem for baseball as they you know, are continuing moving things around. They're going to move the start times to get you know, East Coast games in so where kids can at least take that in. And I think that's a plus. But once again, you know, on the backside of that is it's once again moving stuff around. It's changing the times. You know when the Super Bowl is going to be. You know when the AFC and NFC championships are going to be. And you pretty much know when the NBA playoffs are going to be. That's one of the problems baseball's got to have. And if things work out with TBS, they seem to have a pretty good deal going with them right now. And it's, you know, as cable's made huge inroads in America right now, I don't think it's a big deal to have it on cable that much anymore. I think that that works out if they can continue to renew this and keep this going and, and get some pattern, then I think it makes it a little bit easier for fans to follow. Well, the TV networks must be licking their chops a little bit because you've got big market iconic teams going into the playoffs. Again, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, the Angels, the Cardinals. I mean, big name teams with massive followings. And if any of those teams meet up in the World Series, you would think the numbers would be pretty good, wouldn't you? Yeah, and that's a big thing. I mean, I wrote about this earlier this week. I said, you know, this time it counts. In other words, if if the weather doesn't come into play and big markets make it in, and, and I'm not talking about, you know, if, if the Angels and the Dodgers wind up, well, that's going to take a hit because you are basically got both teams in the same market. But let's say for all intents and purposes it was the Dodgers and the Yankees. Um, I mean, that's that's a huge win for Fox. It would be a huge win for TBS, you know, to have the Yankees go all the way through and, and – and have the Dodgers go all the way through for, for both networks. So right now, my understanding is is that ad sales are very brisk for both Fox and TBS, which is saying a lot in this economy. So I think they're going to sell out all their ad inventory probably well in advance because they know with, you know, the exception of, you know, that we have the Rockies in, you know, and unless there's some kind of change that goes on, you know, between now and the end of the season, you know, it looks like the Tigers for the moment, the Twins could probably sneak in. But, Still, it's all nice, you know, well-entrenched markets with teams that have a lot of brand power. You know, you've got the Phillies back in there, you know, so you've got a World Series champ coming back into play. The Yankees coming in after missing it, the Red Sox. I mean, it really bodes well for the networks. Now, whether it bodes well 
for the Kansas Cities and Pittsburghs of the world due to the fact that it's large payrolls in there and it makes it very, you know, exceptionally difficult for these small to mid markets. You know, that's probably a discussion that we're going to hear a lot about when the CBA comes up for renewal in 2011. Maury, just a few minutes left. Give me your two or three biggest storylines heading into the playoffs. Well, I think you have to sit there and look at, the, at Colorado coming back in. I mean, you know, we've been talking about all these big markets. I mean, I'm, but I'm going to start with the small one. I mean, having Colorado come back in, you know, they were in abysmal shape. They shook up. They fired Clint Hurdle. They brought in Jim Tracy. And the team has basically gone on a tear. And, you know, everybody's talked about this thing about whether they – some of these small market teams have been able to cobble things together for more than a year. You know, everybody seems to think that it's lightning in a bottle. Well, maybe Colorado isn't. And they traded so, their best player, Matt Holliday. They they do, and, you know, and that was, you know, that's that's you know part of this as well. I would I'd also have to say that you know you got to look at the Yankees, and I mean that's a that's a huge story, and, and the, the story in that is you know there's a lot of money involved, and everybody's going to focus on the money. But I think a big thing to look at there was the fact that you've basically had a situation that's a lot looser this time around. They seem to be not so stiff around the collar, and that's really, you know, a, a, a testament really to, I guess, the organization to try and loosen themselves up and make it, you know, kind of a better deal. They seem to be firing on all cylinders. Um, you know, if they collapse, that's going to be the huge thing to talk about. Anything short of a World Series win is going to be, you know, a disappointment for Yankee fans. Yeah, such an enormous payroll, isn't it? Over $200 million. So, with that kind of money tied up, they should win it all. I think the Dodgers are a big storyline, too. They got close last year to making it to the World Series. Joe Torre, uh, boy, what a storyline it would be if Joe Torre and the Dodgers and Manny Ramirez matched up against the New York Yankees or if Manny Ramirez faced his old team, the Red Sox. I think you've got two really compelling storylines there. And that's the thing that baseball thrives really well on. You know, you got to have storylines. I mean, that was the problem last year with the Rays. I mean, it was a great feel-good story, but, you know, there wasn't a lot of, you know, history there to hang on. There wasn't a lot of compelling matchups to talk about. And so, you know, baseball thrives on that. The one thing that – the one story, though, the biggest story, Brian, and I've kind of said this through this, watch the weather. I mean, last year we had game five, you know, a rainout stop in the sixth inning – on a Monday, and we weren't able to get you know the World Series completed until a Wednesday. In 2006, there were a myriad of rain delays, and this really messes with the ratings for Major League Baseball and makes it difficult for fans to really try and get involved with it and follow some of these compelling storylines. So it'll be interesting to see you know whether we're going to have issues with the weather as we move you know closer to the World Series. Definitely, that will be something to watch. Last question for you. Uh, I saw the USA Today story this week that said that baseball attendance suffered its biggest single-season loss since 1952. Now, before the season, Commissioner Selig warned teams that there was going to be some empty seats because of a tough economy. Are you surprised that the attendance was down as much as it was, or do you think it was a little better than you thought it might be? No, I think it's much better than I thought it might be. Now, I'd like to say that I'm the the mighty Kreskin. I said that at the beginning in the off season that I thought that attendance levels would be around 2006. Well, I'm off by a few, you know, 10,000 or so. That's pretty much pretty close to where we're going to wind up. And so, you know, it is a, it, you know, you say, wow, it's a, it's a big decline and it is a big decline, but look, baseball had models out there where they said there might be a 20% decline. They were projecting 10. If they come in at six, you know, they've done better than their projections. So you have to say in this economy that they've done pretty well, some markets just got hammered. I mean, the Nationals took a huge hit. 
Now, granted, they had a new stadium open up, but look, that stadium opened up with some of the lowest attendance that they've had for a, a Camden-era stadium. So, you know, they've got some work to do there in Washington. But, you know, all things considered, you know, I think they did pretty well for themselves. Yeah, Nationals down more than 20% this year. Mm-hmm. Maury, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, give a plug for how people can find you online. And I know uh, I follow you via Twitter. How can they follow you on Twitter? Well, they can follow me on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash biz, B-I-Z, ball, Maury. Or you can find us at uh, biz of baseball, biz of basketball, biz of hockey, and biz of football.com. Maury, I appreciate it. Uh, we'll enjoy watching the playoffs. We'll have you on uh, during the playoffs as well. Fantastic. Thanks. Anytime, Brian. Thank you very much. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Bill Sanders. He's the vice president of marketing for BDA Sports. BDA Sports represents the likes of Yao Ming, Steve Nash, Greg Oden, and many others. Bill is a fellow LMU Lion. It's always good to catch up with you, Bill. Thanks for being on Sports Business Radio. My pleasure, my friend. Anytime. So let's start off. You know, the economy has been such a huge story in the last 12 months. And as someone who sits in your seat and negotiates deals for your clients and big deals for, again, the likes of Yao Ming and Steve Nash, Greg Oden, others, what's the climate out there right now? Because what I'm hearing is that companies are really cutting back on their marketing expenditures. What are you seeing, Bill? Yeah, it's it's it has it completely uh, changed from, say, two years ago. I won't say a year ago. Things started to change a little bit. Uh, in the past, when you, when you do what we do, you know, there's, there's two kinds of deals. There's the proactive ones where you reach out and you're, you know, pitching and creating opportunities. Then there's the reactive ones where the phone just rings. And, uh, and the phone is not ringing the way that it used to. Um, I think for a lot of companies who are, are, you know, have to be more budget conscious than ever before, you know, a, a five- or six-figure endorsement deal is an easy way to save some money, unfortunately. But I, I actually think in the long term um, this is good for everybody because, you know, my, my feeling and some of the things that I've read and you've probably read too are that, that more dollars are going to actually flow the way of sports marketing as dollars get realigned because, you know, as the television audience is fragmented and the print audience is fragmented and all these traditional – advertising channels get, you know, diminished and the audience sizes shrink, um, people are still watching sports, you know, and they're still attending games and television numbers for sports are, you know, don't mirror 
as uh, the the loss of audiences in, in sort of general television. So I actually think more dollars will flow to sports marketing um, and things like activation and appearances and you know grassroots and things things that that you know that athletes can participate in in the long run. I really actually see increasing. Bill, one of the things we talk about on this show is that endorsement dollars really only go to the elite of the elite. And you've got elite athletes in your stable. But I don't think most people understand that. We saw a case this week with Michael Vick, kind of a miscommunication, if you will, between uh, his compensation from Nike. If there was any compensation, if he was just getting product and, and shoes, explain to people just how hard it is for athletes to get paid for pitching a product now. Well, you know, I think the thing that surprises a lot of people is if, if you if you could count the number of just say NBA players because that's where we spend our time, and I think NBA players probably make more money in endorsements generally than other sports. Um, I bet you could count maybe on one hand the number of athletes that are making more than a million dollars in endorsement revenue every year. You know, and you see like these numbers for LeBron and. You know, and who knows the sources of these numbers, by the way. They're always estimates and they're always leaked sort of off the record because someone has a, a vested interest in leaking them. Um, but there's very few athletes making six figures. And, and what really has happened in the last year, especially, is the shoe money has completely disappeared. I know Blake Griffin got a decent, decent deal, I think. Um, we're on the verge of announcing a deal for Hashim Tabit, and he got a nice deal. But other than that... Um, you know, and those deals were, were difficult for us to come by and for, I'm sure, for Blake Griffin's people to come by from what I've heard as well. So the numbers are diminishing, and, and it, it, it puts even more importance on the brand-building work of the marketers behind the athletes. So, you know, for a company like ours, and I really believe we're the only company uh, in the business that has a fully devoted athlete marketing department, but we spend a ton of time in the community working with the players and, and on their PR efforts, working with the players and charitable partners, like really trying to tell the story of the brand so local advertisers um, are more comfortable aligning with the athletes. But it's not easy. Well, Bill, I think one of the other concerns is we've seen so many high-profile athletes get in trouble in the last five to ten years, from Kobe Bryant to Ray Lewis to Michael Vick to actually even in Michael Phelps, the swimmer. So, you know, you, you worry about aligning your brand with someone who could get in trouble, and I think some brands have been burned, and doesn't it seem like they're really taking a long, hard look before they invest that money? I, which I actually like that. Again, I think it helps a company like ours or any company that's, that really is engaged with their players because uh, it forces the, the sponsors to spend more time scrutinizing the athletes that they align with. And I really believe we live in an, in an era now for all of us, whether you're an athlete, a politician, or an average Joe, where the truth is going to get out. You cannot pull the wool over anybody's eyes anymore. So you don't say you're a family man if you're not. Don't say that you're clean if you like to get high. Like, you just have to tell an authentic story. So if, you know, if the, uh, you know, the, the, the other shoe ever drops, um, you, you know, you're not, you're not telling a, a, an, an inauthentic story. You know, the fans can smell BS a mile away. So we just worked, as, again, it's like, you know, we're not going to sell a guy as squeaky clean unless he really is. And when we engage with our players, we tell them, you know, if you're not willing to do community work that's profound, that means something to you, and you're not willing to do media training, and you're not willing to, you know, treat the press with respect and give them the time they need to write a good story, then we can't market you. 
I, I, again, I'm a, I'm a glasses half full kind of guy, and I really think that that you know this is going to just put more onus on the athletes to be to be serious about their endorsement work and to be serious professional business people. Bill, what did you think? Speaking of BS, of the Vic Camp this week coming out and saying they had a deal with Nike, and then Nike comes out the very next day and says, "No, we don't have a deal with him," and he's getting shoes and and product like other people it seemed to me like Vic's camp was trying to make it appear like they had a deal with Nike so they could get other deals but didn't didn't Vic's camp know that they were going to get called out on the carpet on that lie uh, they, you know I, I mean I, I guess they didn't know but Nike is a critical partner in this business and and you can't do something like that without them being fully aware and buying off like every time you do an endorsement deal there are serious conversations about how that story is going to get out. And, you know, you can't, uh, again, when somebody, you know, it was reported that ex-athlete got, you know, $2 million for this deal. If you leak that story, you're going to get a call from the sponsor and have to explain why you let that story out. So it's surprising. And like I said, in this world of, you know, the truth coming out, um, I'm, it's just very, very surprising. The other thing is that I also think, that if he has any any opportunity of regaining some of his glamour, and you know, look, Kobe Bryant came back from the abyss, and I never thought you know that he could he could ever be a viable spokesperson again, and now he is. Um, you know, now is is the lowest value that Michael Vick's ever going to have. You know, I heard that, that maybe they trade him to the Miami, or you know, if this guy has two years in the NFL and is doing great things, look at Ray Lewis; he can come back. I I don't think there'd be any rush at all to sell him. I'm not sure what the, the uh, need was to release a story like that. We're joined by Bill Sanders. He's the vice president of marketing for BDA Sports. Bill, let's talk about some of your athletes and what they're doing. Yao Ming, he's had injuries. It looks like he's going to miss a good portion of this upcoming season. He's in the latter stages of his career. I'm seeing he's investing in teams, and he's turned into a real uh, smart business person, it seems like, and maybe you could talk about what he has going on and uh, what he may be doing after he retires from the game of basketball. You know, it, it's 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 really fun. I've been working at this company for ten years now, and I'm starting to sort of see the cycle of a player's career. And it's really fun to see a guy as he matures, you know, and to see what he develops into. Because you know, I've talked about this before. Yao's first year in the in the league was was madness. And, and there's no preparing for that kind of drama and that kind of hype and everything he had to endure. But now he's really come into his own. His, he still works very hard on his English. Um, he's very comfortable with the media, and he fully understands that when he's done, you know, basketball will have been a great platform for him to do something else. And, and, and I just got back from China, and Yao's image there has transformed. You know, he's really not even considered... Uh, like when people think about Yao, they don't think of him as an athlete first anymore. They really think of him as sort of a heroic icon, a symbol of, of modern China, you know, and, and that, that it doesn't hurt when you get to carry the flag in, in the, you know, in the Olympics and you get to sort of be the face of the Olympics, uh, which is the shining moment of, of you know, in, in the history of China. It's one of their biggest moments. So he, he's really evolved and he's gotten involved through the help of all of his advisors. We don't deserve too much of the credit. Um, but he's gotten involved in the music business, and, and now he's bought the Shanghai Sharks, and uh, he's gotten involved in some, some, uh, some ventures here. There's a venture that we just launched that he's involved with called Playmaker Mobile, which uh, is sort of like uh, uh, Twitter on, on steroids, no pun intended to use that <laughs> word. But, 
Um, Yao's a, you know, a part owner of that. And, and, and it's really fun to see these guys as they emerge. And, you know, Steve Nash has done the same thing. As they get older, they really become, you know, really interesting, unique individuals, whereas when they first enter the league, they're just young kids making a lot of money. You know, this is going to sound pretty incredible to some people out there, and I know you and I have talked about this, but I think in the last 25 years, next to Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, and Larry Bird, Yao Ming is the most important player to have played in the NBA. And the reason I say that, Bill, is because it's no secret that David Stern, the commissioner of the league, has tried to grow and globalize the NBA, and now it's so popular over in Asia, specifically China, and it's all because of Yao Ming. I mean, I was over there with you guys a few years ago and saw firsthand how iconic he is over there, and I don't think if Yao Ming was not in the NBA, I don't think it would have nearly the success that it's had over abroad. Well, he certainly was in the right place at the right time, and I'll tell you something, Brian. We just got back. I was in China with Steve Nash this summer. We were in a little town, little town for, by their standards, called Chung Chuen, and we were riding in a car on our way back to the airport, stuck in traffic. Steve had his window open, and this guy next to him starts screaming, Steve Nash, Steve Nash, <laughs> like randomly in a small town in China. Steve's in the, he's not wearing his son's uniform. He's right. low-key. And some guy in traffic recognized him and started screaming. I was also in Brazil this summer. The NBA has got their eyes on Brazil. The, uh, Baron Davis was uh, in India this summer. The NBA's got their eyes on India. I really do believe that they have a plan to become the most dominant professional sport in all the world. And five years ago in China, soccer, you know, Premier League was number one, and the NBA smokes them now. And I think, I think they got, you know, Brazil and India and Africa, you know, God willing, with Hashim Tabit. They, they've got global expansion plans, and I think within five years they'll dominate every professional sport the world's ever seen. Bill, the time always flies by. Let's talk about Greg Oden before I let you go. You know, so much pressure around him in 2007 when he was the number one pick. He was injured that first year. He had kind of a tough year last year battling through some more injuries. It seems like that he's had a really great summer working out and may actually turn out to be the guy that everyone thought he would be. Give us a quick report on uh, Greg Oden. Well, you know, the first thing I always say about Greg is is that you know, he is the guy, in terms of being an individual, he is the guy everybody, you know, fell in love with. He is one of the most charming, likable, friendly, self-deprecating people that I've ever met in my life. I love this guy as, as much as, uh, as a guy who does what I do could love a client. He's just a great, great individual. And, you know, much like Yao in his first year, being the number one pick um, carries a lot of responsibility with it. I remember uh, Yao's second year, someone said to him, uh, what are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? And he said, LeBron James. <laughs> because LeBron came in and took some of that, you know, a lot of that pressure and hype right. off of him. And I think the first year, you know, was just so overwhelming for Greg. And, and Portland is by far the best market in the country for him to be in because they love people like him. They love people of character, people who work hard. And his timing was really good. There's all these other pieces in place. And Greg shows up and, you know, and everybody's really excited about basketball. So, you know, as an individual, he's as good as it gets. And, and as, a, as, a, as a center, obviously the injury was terrible. And last year, his biggest problem last year was actually foul trouble. You know, and, and he, I've said this to you before, his, his rookie year wasn't that much different than Yao Ming's. I'm not saying that he'll have that upside. Who knows? Hopefully he will. Um, but the center position is not an easy position to learn in the NBA, mainly because of the foul trouble issue. Big men always get in foul trouble their first year. 
and uh, and they learn, you know, the ropes and the routines. And Greg, completely on his own, without anybody at our company even really being aware of it, decided to just focus this summer. And not that he hasn't focused in the past. I mean, his work ethic was always great, and he spent tons of time in the weight room after he got injured. But this summer, he just worked on basketball. And, uh, and it was very low-key about it. We, for, we heard about it in a news report and called him up and said, is this true? Are you worried? He said, yep, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. So uh, I, I'm really excited, and I, I think uh, you know, our expectations and hopes for Greg have never changed. It's just we know that it's over time. It's not immediate, especially with a big man. Are we going to see Yao Ming on the court this year? I don't think so. No one really knows. Um, you know, I think that the big thing that everybody is talking about is you can't rush this. Um, there was great news with the, the surgery, and the doctors were really excited and actually did some proactive stuff to try and, you know, make his, his foot even stronger than it was before. Um, and, and time off is really what he needs most of all. This guy's played more basketball than anybody on the planet the last seven years. Every single summer he is in camp the minute that the Rockets are, are out, of the, out of the NBA season. So downtime is good. He's working out really hard, and uh, I think everybody's hope is that, you know, it's a, it's, for him it's really about him coming back at full strength whenever that is. So n- there's no one on our side that's going to rush him, that's for sure. Before I let you go, uh, my guy Steve Nash, I love him. And i got to tell you, I think he's got a terrific career and future in film. I've seen some of the things he's put together. And then I loved his stint on Letterman last year. I don't know if you guys had a hand in that, but uh, during the playoffs I thought he was absolutely hysterical. Yeah, Steve is, a, is another guy like Yao that at this point in his career has, you know, he used to shy away from marketing. So I used to call him the reluctant icon, like he's winning MVP awards and turning down Jay Leno, you know. And now I think he's realized he's very involved with his philanthropy. His, his foundation is, is really among the best in all pro sports. And, uh, and he wants to pursue a film career. And he realizes that, you know, he, he has opportunities to meet people that are influential that he could be working with for many years to come. So, yeah, he did Letterman. We, we helped book that, of course. And uh, he just shot a, uh, a cameo in a film called Life as We Know It with Catherine Hagel and He's doing a lot more of that stuff than he's ever done before. And he also, he's, he's buying soccer teams. And, you know, Steve, Steve is really uh, engaged in a lot of great, exciting things. Interesting. Bill, it's always great to catch up with you. How can people find you online? And I know you're on Twitter, too. Uh, well, BDASports.com is the best place to go. And we're also at uh, Facebook.com slash BDASports. Those are the two places to start. And then Twitter, aren't you just uh, at Bill Sanders? Yes, that's me. All right. Follow <laughs> Bill. Good stuff. Bill, thank you, and we're going to have you on more regularly. My pleasure, Brian. Good luck, and uh, look forward to seeing you in Portland. Yes, definitely. We'll see you soon. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach, When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, we'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, We'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. 
With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Well, the NBA has more than 1.4 million followers on Twitter. Many players are active on it. We've seen Shaquille O'Neal. I think he's got over 2 million followers. Well, the NBA is instituting a policy regarding Twitter and other social media sites banning players from using them during games. The league sent a memo to teams on Wednesday telling them that cell phones and other communication devices cannot be used from 45 minutes before game time until after players have finished their responsibilities after the game, which includes media interview. And that also includes halftime. You cannot tweet at halftime. Are you listening? Charlie Villanueva of the Detroit Pistons, he did that last year with the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, the rule also applies to coaches, players, and other team basketball operations personnel. The memo did not specify penalties for violations of the rule. It says teams are free to create their own policies for practices and other team events. Now, the NFL, their tweeting policy says you can't tweet 90 minutes before kickoff, and then you've got to do your media responsibilities after the game. Then you can start tweeting. This will be interesting to watch. This is really the first year with the NFL and with the NBA. I wonder if they're going to have like someone who has a full-time job who does nothing but monitor Twitter and Facebook. Otherwise, it's going to be really tough to enforce. All right, a lot of thank yous on our show this week. Our guests, Bill Sanders from BDA Sports, Maury Brown from thebizofbaseball.com, our show staff. Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harrison, Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, Morton's The Steakhouse, and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the podcast page. Follow me on Twitter at SBRadio. Become our Facebook friend, just go to our blog, sportsbusinessradio.com. You can link directly to our Facebook page. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next weekend on Sports Business Radio. Greg Oden of the Portland Trailblazers supports the Ronald McDonald Houses. I'm a big fan of the houses. Happy to help them make a difference. He helps because he believes every hospitalized child should be near their family in tough times. And everyone can support this home away from home. When you purchase a McCafe Espresso drink or premium roast coffee, McDonald's donates a portion of proceeds to Ronald McDonald House charities in Oregon and Southwest Washington. At participating McDonald's for a limited time. A little change can make a big difference.